Thank you, Jason. We're going to be in the Gospel of Mark, so turn your Bibles to Mark. Please, I invite you to do that. And we have a slam dunk champion in the house today, don't we? Um, Wilson Sibley is the Georgia State slam dunk champion. And so I got to give him a shout out for that, winning that title yesterday. So proud of you, man. Proud of you. That, that was really cool. He defended his title. It's actually second year in a row. So um, and I, I voted for you. So you, I, I helped get you there, man. All right. Um, all right. So we're in Mark chapter 10. And before we get started, we're going to start in verse 35. Before we go there. Actually, let me just give you a little background. The reason I'm in Mark, we kind of had a week in between here. I knew I was going to teach. I knew I, I wanted to talk to our church about serving. And I thought, what a perfect place to go. Because I've been teaching through the whole book of Mark with our college students, uh, myself and others who form a team that teach our college students at 9 a.m. If you're a college student, you're back from spring break, you're not a part of that, we'd love to have you at 9 a.m. in the basement of the chapel building. We meet and uh, each Sunday, we've been going through the Gospel of Mark, and we're, I'm a little ahead into chapter 10. I think they're going to be there next week, but uh, I said, why not give this room a taste of what we've been doing on Sunday mornings? Because Mark is packed with a punch. It's, a, it's the shortest gospel, but it brings so much impact. And I have loved every second of studying through that book. And so, thus, we're in Mark. Um, and as we've studied through Mark, there's two things that I'm convinced Mark as the author, although Mark's the author, and, and we believe that a lot of what Mark has to say comes from the disciple Peter, that Mark is using Peter's firsthand account in, in his gospel. But I think Mark as the author wants us to do two things. I've gone through this whole book, and I, I keep going back to this, that Mark wants us to do First, to read ourselves into the story. The way that he um, tells his gospel, he goes from one episode to the next, just boom, 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 like super quick. And it's interesting because you'll read one episode, one story, then you'll go to the next, and then you go to the next. And it, there always seems to be like the next, the one after the next, you'll read that one and you'll refer back to the one that happened there before. And you're forced to kind of like see it a little bit differently, and each time you, you find yourself more and more intertwined into the story, at least that's what I do when I read through that gospel. So read yourself in the story. That's going to that's gonna come up as, as we go through this story. And the second thing Mark wants us to do is ask two questions. Who is Jesus, and what does it mean to be one of his disciples? So I invite you as we read through this passage this morning to do those two things, to read yourself into the story and ask those two questions. Let's start in verse 35. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to Jesus and they said to him, Teacher, we want you to do whatever we ask of you. That's quite a statement, right? Listen, my kids make requests like this all the time. This is a common occurrence in our house. Daddy, Daddy, we have something we want you to do. Okay, what is it? Daddy, can, you, can we have pizza and ice cream tonight? 
Can, can you take us to the store tonight? Can, can we go to the beach next week? Daddy, I need a lot of money for my school fundraiser, like right now. Daddy, can you come play board games with me or play hide and seek? All these requests come quickly and usually when I walk in the door uh, from work at night, but just all the time. It, you know what I'm saying. Or maybe it's just multiplied in our house because we have five kids. I don't know. With all these requests, if you do what I did last week, and that is, I was thinking about this, I was thinking about the talk, I was thinking about James and John's requests, and I, I started adding it up. I was like, all right, if I did everything they asked, now listen, sorry, when, when they asked, they don't ever think, oh, daddy may or may not do this. Every time they ask, they're thinking, daddy's going to do this. And, and so I started adding it up, like, how much time and money would it be? I'm pretty sure I got to about, I have to take two months off of work to do everything they're asking me to do. And, and then I need like tens of thousands of dollars, like right now, to do, to, to do it all. All in one week. And yet there's no hesitancy on their part to ask. And so I see James and John in their request a lot, like I see my children in that. Because... When you, when you read the commentaries about this section, they'll say, John, James and John, you know, that was, that was not something they shouldn't have done. They shouldn't have said this. And it's, it's true that what they say is selfish and immature. But I just want to point out that just a chapter before, Jesus is telling and teaching his disciples that you have to become like children to enter the kingdom of God. And I think that's why Jesus is so kind in his response in verse 36, he doesn't scold them or say, what are you talking about? Why would you ever ask me to do that? He says, okay, what, what do you want? <laughs> he doesn't say yes, but what do you want? Very parental kind of thing to say. In verse 37, and they said to him, grant us to sit at your right hand and on your left in your glory. Let me pause there for a second because Jesus has been trying to tell his disciples what will happen to him. He's now, this is the third time in this chapter, in chapter 8, in chapter 9, in chapter 10. Go back to verse 33. We're going to read that too. Jesus has tried to tell his disciples plainly, I am going to Jerusalem and there I will be killed. Look at verse 33. See, we're going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. And, the, and they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. There it is. Jesus has told them exactly what will happen. And th again, this is the third time. So if you're reading through Mark, it's the third time, pretty short space in which Jesus has said these things. And it's in that context that James and John make their request. Jesus, we want you to do whatever we ask. Okay, what is it? Well, we want to be at your right hand and left hand. So although they've heard this three times from Jesus, that he will be in Jerusalem, and it's there he will be killed. Although they've heard that three times now, they, they still can't wrap their minds around it. They're envisioning a revolution where Jesus sets up his throne and he rules over Israel right then and there. Because they're seeing the crowds. That's the only thing that they can wrap their minds around. The crowds of people who are so transformed on, by Jesus and so transfixed on Jesus. But they're saying, this 
is the kind of thing we want to be signed up for. We love this, all the attention and all the crowds and all the access it gives us. And then imagine the day when Jesus sits on the throne in Jerusalem, what it will be like for us to be at his right hand and left hand ruling. It's, it's time, you know, they're thinking in their heads, it's time. We need to ask Jesus if we can have that part in his kingdom. But Jesus has been trying to tell them, guys, listen, you're not getting it. I'm going to be killed. You know, the, the throne I'm going to sit on will be the cross, at least initially. Look at verse 38 next. Jesus said to them, you, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I'm baptized? And they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And the baptism with which I'm baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or my left is not mine to grant. But it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. Jesus says, you, you don't want to go. <laughs> you don't want to go where I'm going. Sure we do. We can drink the cup. We can be baptized with the, the baptism. Sure, we can do that. In their minds, they're thinking the cup of celebration. They're thinking the baptism that Jesus was baptized. You know, the John the Baptist had come on the scene and he had baptized Jesus. It was this new cleansing ritual that showed that, that you had been repentant of your sins. Sure, we'll do that, Jesus. But Jesus has something completely different in mind. We know that as we know the whole story. We know that the cup Jesus is talking about is the cup of judgment. The cup of judgment that's spoken throughout the Old Testament. The baptism he's talking about is probably more closely related to what baptism would have meant as he used it in that day, in that, right at that moment, this word immersion that, that would mean like somebody forcibly putting you under the water. Jesus would be immersed into a sea of darkness and judgment. And he says, you will have to do that one day. And we know from history that they did. But it's not... It's not for me to, to choose who goes to my right hand or left. And then we have the other ten disciples. They're upset. <laughs> oh, I can't believe you've asked that. <laughs> Probably some of them are like, I wish I would have asked that. Verse 42, Jesus says, okay, guys, come over here. <laughs> Let's have a little talk. You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus brings his disciples together to teach them in that moment. It reminded me of like a moment I had this week. My wife was gone uh, for the evening and I was in charge. And... Um, I had, our oldest wasn't even there, so I only had four, all right? So I had four kids, and I said, all right, guys, here's what we're going to do. Mom's away. I even handed out some chocolate as I talked so that they would pay attention. All right, here's some chocolate. They're chomping on the chocolate. All right, guys, here's the plan. I'm looking them each in the eyes. All right, here's the plan. You're going to do this, this, and this. You're going to, you're going to, we're going to, then next, you're going to go take a shower. You, shower. You, 
you clean that room, you go clean that room, we're gonna, we got this. Everybody in, we good? Questions? No questions. All right, great. Go. And then we break. And then two minutes later, you know, the kids are doing exactly what I said. No, you're laughing. No. Two minutes later, I've given this whole talk. It was beautiful. It should've, I should have recorded it. It, would like, it was like one of the greatest speeches of all time. And then two minutes later, they're out there just like, whoop, having a party. And I'm like, guys, you're supposed to be cleaning. Where, somebody's in the shower. What are you? You're soaking wet and you're in the middle of the living room. What are you doing? That's our house. And I, I, as much as I wanted them to get it, they just didn't get it. And that's the disciples. They're at that point. They're just not getting it. And Jesus says, look, the power you're desiring that you're asking for is, is the kind of power that people outside the people of God exercise. Okay, so it, that's the Gentiles. The Gentiles, they lord it over others. Power is gained on the backs of other people. Power is, is what you get out of it. And it's the authority, it's the, the prestige, it's the perks. That's what the world does when it comes to greatness and to power. And in the kingdom, it's different. The kingdom is characterized, the kingdom of God is characterized by humility and service. It's one of the many paradoxes of the scriptures is that to be great is to serve. Now I want you to pay special attention to verse 45. Let's look at that again. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Maybe you've met someone with great clarity in their purpose before. I know anytime I meet someone like that who just knows this is my mission, this is what I'm about, everything flows out of that. They're so confident, they're so clear-minded. It's amazing to watch people like that. Now, me on the other hand, I, I, I'm more of an internal processor, and so I'll be bound by questions like, God, you know, do you want me doing this over here or is it this over here I'm supposed to be doing? And I'll be asking these questions. And so when I see someone who's so clear about their life and what their mission is and their focus, it's, I'm always like, wow, that's, that's amazing. So much freedom there. Have you ever, um, just my wife and I, we, we started watching a, a TV show recently called The Chosen. Anybody, anybody seen The Chosen in here? It's really, really good. I, I, we are really enjoying it. It's, it's a TV show about the life of Jesus. And I think that they like, this is one of the things that, that they bring out in Jesus that I really liked, that um, as you see him, and you can do this just by reading the Gospels, as you watch the life of Jesus unfold, he's always so focused on his mission and his purpose. He says it here. Look, this is why I'm here. Not this or that. I've come to serve and to give my life as a ransom. And so when you watch that unfold, when you see that in the life of Jesus, it's so attractive because there's so much freedom in how he operates. Again, I was watching the show, I was like seeing how that would be, that was so brought out so well. That, that you're watching him and you're going, he, he just can, he's not bound by other people's opinions or thoughts. He's not bound by internal questions. He's free to operate. 
Wouldn't that be amazing to have that kind of freedom? I want you to think about that principle. I really think this is true, that, that the more we lean into our identity and our purpose, the freer we live. And when I say that, I mean the identity of, that, that the scripture gives us, and it's found right here. Again, Mark asks us, Mark says, okay, what is it that we see about Jesus? And he says here, he's a, he's a servant, and his purpose is to give his life as a ransom. So what's our identity and purpose? Our identity and purpose is that of Jesus. If we're going to be his disciple, that's our identity, to, to serve others. And so here's how I want to say it. And this is what, if you miss everything else I say today, don't miss this. Serving is who we are, not what we do. And let me exp- unpack that just a little bit. Serving has to become our identity. And when it does, we live more free than we will ever live otherwise. And for it to become our identity, it can't be just something we do. So let me give you an example. If you were going to, uh, you know, go volunteer in the community in some way, you want to help in a homeless shelter or help with one of the clinics, and uh, you were going to go serve in one of those places. If you're going to serve here at church as a greeter in the parking lot, in the worship team, whatever, you're going to serve in one of these places. If you're doing that as a way to do the right thing, to check the boxes, to do the moral thing, to, to gain approval even from God. Ultimately, you're doing it selfishly. You following? Because ultimately, you're doing it for yourself. Ultimately, it's about what you gain from it. That like, I'll, I'll get in right standing with God, or I know I've done the right things. Or you can look at it a different way. If you're going to serve in any of these places, and this is what, one thing I've heard you know, a lot over the years, I feel like. We'll, we'll have a day of community service, and we'll do all these great projects. And someone will say, I feel so fulfilled through this feel so good about myself and that's nice but again if you if you're saying I'm going to go serve because of how I feel and how it makes me feel then ultimately in the end it's also selfish it's what you get out of it for Jesus it wasn't just something he did it was truly his identity how do we know that John 3:16 we heard it in the baptism for God so loved the world. It was love that drove him. At the core of who he was, at the core of who God is, is love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. In this is love, First John says. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Again, I want you to kind of go where Mark wants you to go. (laughs) I want you to read yourself into this story this morning. I want you to say, you know, I'm probably a lot like James and John. I probably would prefer that kind of power. Or if not, I'm like one of the ten who says, oh, I should have asked that. And I want you also to, to ask this morning, what... Who really is Jesus? This passage makes it clear that Jesus is the ultimate servant. You see, when you look at 
that, that phrase that he gives us, to give his life as a ransom for many. I want you to just think about that for a second. Ransom is not a word that we use in our everyday conversations. That's not going to be thrown, away, thrown around in one of our conversations today after church. But in their culture, it, it had much more usage. The word ransom would be used to talk about the price to rescue someone out of slavery, uh, to rescue a prisoner of war, or to rescue maybe even someone condemned within their legal system. To bring them out, you would pay a ransom price. And so let's say there's a prisoner of war, they have $50,000 it costs to, to, to have them freed. And so friends and family would come along, they'd come up with their money, and they would then pay their money, and they bring this person out into freedom. Now imagine what that would be like. Imagine what it would be like not just to have served your time, but to literally be bound endlessly in slavery or as a prisoner of war, etc. In any of those circumstances, to be bound endlessly... And then for someone to have come up with the, a method of payment in order to bring you out of that. Imagine what that would be like. Imagine how you respond. Imagine how excited you would be like, this is amazing. How would you get the money? Now imagine Jesus saying this to us. That we had a ransom on our heads. Right? We, we, we're born into sin. We're from the... From the day we're born, we're, we're enslaved to sin. Every part of our being and our makeup makes us reject God. Believe me, I have kids, I know, all right? And like from the small, like smallest little kid, next thing you know, they're lying. Like you've been alive for like two months and you're already lying. How does this happen? We, we go against God. That's how it works. We, we, we say our way is better. And because of that, there's a separation between us and God. And there's a price on our heads that cannot be paid by any of our friends or anything we do. And Jesus says, I've come, this is my purpose, to be that ransom. Not to pay in money or in some other form of payment, but to, to pay with my life. To bring you back into freedom. And then Mark asks us, well, what does it mean to be one of his disciples? And the answer is to do what Jesus did. To do that very thing. That we, we go and we serve not as something that we do, but as people that this is who we are. At our core, we love God and we love people. And we walk that out in very practical ways. There's a few more people I'm going to bring here to, to talk in just a minute. I'm going to make this really practical. We have cards. All that stuff is really practical. But first, I just wanted you to hear that. I wanted you to hear, like, if, if you walk away today going, okay, well, I need to serve more, then you've missed the point I've been trying to make. Not, not the point I'm trying to make, what the point I think Scripture brings us to. If you say, okay, let me go, let me go do this, this is it. That's, that's not what I'm saying to do. In fact, I just let's, let's take a minute right now, if you will, just pray with me for just a minute. And just I'm going to give you a chance to just reflect on this. The question I asked myself was this. Joel, would people around you say that you're a servant? Like that's your identity, that that's what people would know you as. 
Man, that was convicting. Just ask that question. Would people around you, if you, if you claim to be a follower of Christ, would people around you say that at the core of your identity is that of a servant? And if it's not, again, don't, don't go say I'm going to go do a lot of action. Right now, you need, to take, you need to take a little time and be with Jesus. Jesus, I need the gospel to transform me. I need that gospel message to come and take root in my heart to know my true identity in you. It's not to go do those things, but to, but to, out of love, like you, Jesus, image you. To do it for Jesus. Maybe right now you could just ask, Jesus, what are you speaking to me this morning? What do I need to hear? You might be sitting in this room and you've never called on the name of Jesus. You, you, you've heard that clearly for the first time or, or maybe the second time, whatever. You've heard clearly that Jesus came and paid a price for you so that you could know him and be in a relationship with him. If that's you this morning, you can call out to him for salvation. You can ask him, Jesus... I need to be forgiven my sins. I need you in my life. I want to live a life of freedom. And he will forgive you and he'll be with you. I'd love to talk to you about that if that's a place you find yourself today. Lord, we thank you for this word that you've given us. We thank you most of all that Jesus, you came to serve and not be served that you came to give your life as a ransom. May that truly sink into our hearts. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. All right, if you look this way, we're going to uh, just take a few more minutes um, to talk to a few other people. So my friends who are going to be up here with me, can you guys come on up and I will get microphones. And there's a couple disclaimers I want to make. Again. That's, that's the heartbeat of God for us to follow him in serving. And I want you to hear this this morning as, as I get real practical. We're going to pull out these sheets and for you to look at this and you to hear people who are serving in our church. I want to make one disclaimer, maybe two, we'll see how many I have. One, one is this, that um, you guys sit down and... and Make yourself comfortable. One is this, that we're going to talk about a lot of the things that are doing are part of our church. Some of those things are, are within these walls. Some of these are outside those walls. And that's, that's a big point I want to make first off the bat. When we talk about serving, it's, it's not just like summed up in I serve as a greeter. I, ser I serve as a parking lot person. I serve with the kids as a teacher. It's not summed up in that. It, it's characterized by like every moment of our life taking that posture. Jesus, you know, taking off his outer garment to go wash the disciples' feet. It's in moments, everyday moments, all the time, as a mom, as a dad, as a grandparent, as a child to a parent, of us taking the posture of a servant and living like Jesus. And it happens well beyond just like what happens in these walls. Like I, I, was, I was thinking about my wife this week as I was preparing for this talk who, who like 
does various things within our church, but uh, like the vast majority of her focus right now is helping kids who are in foster care. And so there may be places like that where you are going and you're, you're like, this is where I'm serving. Don't, don't think like we're trying to take you from that and like, you know, come, come be on the parking lot team be, and forget that. <laughs> don't do that. Those, like if you, to start Bible studies in your workplace, to, to go and uh, be a part of the great exchange on in college campuses, to go and you name it, to the nations, like go. But there's also places that we're serving here within our church and, and um, they're going to kind of share a few places where they're serving. You guys, let's start it off, tell us who you are, a little bit about yourself and, and how you're serving here at our church. So my name's Zach, uh, my wife Madison and I have been going here for about six years. Uh, we serve on um, the missions board team with, with Robbie, doing some stuff. Um, we serve on special blessings and we host a tribe with the Martin family. Um, so, yeah. My name is Dave Stearns and my wife Shelly and I have been here for six years. And uh, I primarily serve in three areas, Joel. I serve uh, in the youth along with uh, Taylor and Brooke and then with Robbie and missions, more specifically, a part of reaching the being people, and then as a, a new deacon. Yeah. I'm Erica Paulson. Our family's been here nine years when we moved here from California. And um, I serve with the fourth and fifth grade girls on Wednesday nights, and with foster care teams on a prayer team, and then also with a women's mentoring program. Hi, I'm Marvelyn Smith. Uh, my family, my husband and I have been here for about 12 years, and we serve in the hospi hospitality and greeting uh, areas. Thank you. Um, tell me what got you into those areas um, in the first place. Was it because you saw a need? Was it because you said, oh, I'm gifted in that area? I'd like to match my gifting with that. Um, what, what brought you to say, like, that? I'm going to go plug in right there. So, Joel, I have more children than you do, and uh, when we moved here, two were out of the house, but five were still in the home, and it felt very strategic to be involved where they were being fed. I didn't have a great view of youth ministry, I must confess, before I got here, and I have been absolutely stunned by the discipleship focus. And so it feels real strategic for Shelly and I to be able to, to work with, with, uh, with Taylor and Brooke, and then I get a chance to be on the teaching team on the main stage on a regular basis. That is a gift of mine. Uh, and a heart of mine. So that felt strategic. And then, you know, in 2011, 2012, um, we moved our family to Africa just for a year to serve as missionaries. And we have a, a really big heart for the nations. And so being able to serve along with folks here that have a similar heart, yeah. more specifically to be a part of reaching the unreached people groups, um, just feels real strategic yep. uh, for me. Yep. Yeah, I... Um when we first started coming here, we didn't grow up in a church that really talked about missions, so it was just it was infectious, just mm -hmm. how excited this church was about sending people and going, and how Carlos talks about it being a river, so it's just impossible for Madison and I to, to hear that and not jump in, yeah. so it was it was just a natural fit to jump on board with Robbie and help send some people, and I think the tribes kind of fit right along with that, yeah. is, um, you know, we're praying for missionaries, being a missionary care team is just a huge part of, like, not everybody can go, um, so being a part of helping sending um, and equipping people to go, it's just it's something that really... Um, we were called to do uh, just being part of this church and then special blessings growing up with a special needs sister and just hearing that there was a need um, to have uh, a, an opportunity to minister with and to differently abled people mm -hmm. so it was really mm -hmm. awesome yeah 
Joel makes me laugh when he talks about gifting because, um, so one of the things we do is help with foster care teams and what a lot of folks do is do meals, which is so awesome and that is so not my gifting. <laughs> so I just want you to know you do not have to cook to help with foster care teams. Um, I'm a great driver, I'm a great babysitter and um, that can be really useful too. So I'm just throwing that out there. And then for the fourth and fifth grade girls, I started there when my daughter was in fourth grade um, for Wednesday nights and she is a high school senior uh, right now. So they let me stay. And it is just, um, it is amazing to see them grow and um, they're so smart and so fun. But, so your giftings, um, you don't necessarily have to be gifted in certain areas um, for where God calls you mm -hmm. to. Mm -hmm. Well, we've all been places where no one spoke to us and that always makes me sad. And so this church is large and it, um, makes me sad if someone ever comes and no one speaks to you so if you can say hello if you can give them a smile find out how their week is then you can be a griever absolutely now it's i think one of the things i was trying to drive out this morning is that as we serve that um again it's not just like something we do we do it from our identity as disciples of Jesus as followers of Jesus and and in that we find great freedom and not just great freedom but great joy I think do you guys resonate with that do you find that like you do find joy in what you're doing yeah I was definitely gonna say that you know you start serving like it's something like this somebody might hear this and say oh I need to be involved with a sending team or a tribe or special blessings or teaching Sunday school or greeting and, and you start doing it out of like something like this but then you really find your joy like this is like what something I'm supposed to be doing mm -hmm. and it's in that you just grow mm -hmm. um you know, you, you got to try. You, you got to find something on there that you think you might like and, and jump into it. And then yeah. in, in that moment, God's going to call you out and start showing your true gifts of service. Awesome. Um, yeah, I just, I think that as we give ourselves away, I mean, we have to. Yeah. We want to. Um, but as we do that, we get to know Christ so much better. And so I find that for me, uh, serving like we do, I grow. I get to know Christ better, and I find him to be more satisfying and just all sufficient for mm. me in my own life. Mm. Uh, yes, uh, again, it just um, it makes me happy to uh, say hello to people, to find their correct Sunday school room or the children's area, uh, just so that you go away and feel like um, someone said hello to you and you want to come back. Um, there's so many things I know that all of us could say, but I would say that um, some of the, the joy is just seeing where God works in incredible ways. And um, whether that's any place I've volunteered, somehow, whoever I'm connected with, there's a reason God's put us together. And you might immediately figure out that you have some connection or it might take a little bit, but you're, there's incredible joy in just seeing where he brings you and, and, and what you get from that. From the students themselves, um, there's incredible joy in knowing that there's this one time in the week where they're going to hear truth and they are going to know that everything else that they've heard and what their parents are trying to tell them and what, what's coming from the pulpit and everything else is that God loves them mm -hmm. and that the Bible is true. And so if I can find a way with fourth and fifth graders to be like, it's true and you want to know about this. This is like the coolest thing ever. Mm. Um, and there are questions when they ask me that that brings huge joy. But there is a reality to the joy. And I would just say like Wednesday nights, everybody's tired on Wednesday nights. I see some of my fellow Wednesday night people 
a Coke Zero is not a bad thing before you start Wednesday <laughs> night, I'm just going to say. But then you see where God totally just shows up, and you're just like, it's, it's really amazing. Very good. Any, anything else you guys would share or that kind of wrap it up? Anything else you'd just say, i got to say this before we go. I didn't the first time, but I do this time. Okay. Uh, there's a verse that I absolutely love in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 15. And Paul says, and, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, mm. but for him who for their sake died and Amen. was raised. Amen. Well, thank you guys for all that you do to serve our church. And uh, I look out in this room, and there's people all around this room I know who, are, who have found their place, who are serving and giving. There's, I, I walked in this room, and one of the things that came to my mind was I'm looking around at several people who I'm like, what they do is not on the sheet anywhere. Uh, that you, They've found different places to serve our church that, that aren't listed on here. And that's, that's amazing too. So, but I do want to make this super practical for you. If, if you've thought, you know, I've wanted to get more involved, um, or I'm hearing this talk and I'm like, I, I want to lean into that identity of serving like, like Jesus served me, then um, this is for you to, to take this. We've got places you can drop this um, and, and fill this out. There's a website on the back that you can go to if you need, like, I don't know when I can turn this in, but maybe at some point I can look on that website and fill out a form on there. You can do that as well. So um, I just want to say thank you again for, for being a part of our service this morning. And um, I want you to be blessed as we go from here and serve Jesus this week. You have a great week.